Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Charged Up Studio listeners. I'm so glad to have you here with us once again. This is Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. So this year has flown by and we are now facing 2023. And what stands ahead? Are you ready? Well, today's guest on Charged Up Studio is the CEO of Business Legal Management and Business Law Group. Zachary Williamson has had experience as an HR business partner in the software industry, as well as a global product marketing manager in healthcare devices in the consulting world. He was part of a leadership team at a boutique consulting firm in Utah, worked with several multi-million dollar companies. He is now the new CEO of Business Legal Management a company dedicated to changing the way small and medium-sized businesses partner with and use legal. So before we get started, I have to ask you, Zachary, and don't get offended. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have a law degree, right? Uh, No, I do not, Dana. Okay. So what is it you bring to the industry as CEO of a law firm that sets you apart from others? When you think about lawyers, one of the first things that comes to mind is they're really good at taking a lot of time and charging you a lot of money as a business owner, which is the exact opposite of what you want in terms of a project manager or some sort of business leader choosing directions for a company or a firm. And so it was my board members, uh, they were wanting to grow the business and grow business legal management. They decided to go outside of a lawyer and decided to get me, who has a master's in business administration. And so what I bring is less of a legal, this is how we've done things in the legal world. This is how we do things. And more of a, hey, this is basic business principles of being lean, being agile, thinking in handling projects in a different way. And so I'm bringing that new school approach to a very, very static and a very, very archaic industry. Well, and that's part of the, that's, that's the reason why I wanted to ask this question to begin with, you know, coming from the marketing background, you know, because when you think about it, you know, it's important to highlight the business and marketing side of the industry, especially the legal industry, because after all, attorneys, they've gotten a bad rap as being money grubbing ambulance chasing pools, right? <laughs> and you know, it, you know, it's the joke that it's that 95% to give the threat, they give the rest of us a bad name. But in yeah. all honesty, 
I believe that there are obviously going to be bad experiences in any industry you go into, and there's going to be some negative stereotypes in whatever industry you go to. And so unfortunately, that's one thing you have to battle with as a lawyer, uh, as yeah, I can imagine it's like, oh, you're just going to call me up and charge as much as you can. And, or, oh, you're just going to pose like this on a billboard, you know, (laughs) saying that I can, I can fix your needs. And so pivoting a little bit from that is it, it is a challenge. I mean, it, I'm not going to lie, but I think it's a challenge that we at business legal management are equipped to face. Yeah, yeah. So although it's important to realize that independent of their reputation out in the market, okay, lawyers do present a very valid benefit, especially for small business owners. Absolutely. I and that can't, benefit, I can't I can't overstate how nice it is to yeah. have somebody in your corner at the very yeah. least just have somebody that you can turn to in case of a question or a second pair of eyes because a lot of business owners you know they define it as they're great widget makers or widget advertisers or widget designers um that skill set doesn't necessarily translate into what you ask a lawyer to do like making a contract form a business correctly make sure that you're set up the correct way so that you're taxed correctly you know you can be a great 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 widget maker but you would have is zero there's very little transferable skills well you know and it's true you know you want to be protected as a business owner especially in the early stages you know from other sharks out there or you know even yourself the mistakes that you make as a business owner yourself and the careless actions that you might take that could rob us of our small business and all our yes. dreams, yeah. Yes, yeah, small businesses, it, it only takes one or two bad, you know, unfortunate breaks. For If you're a large company, you have, you typically have some money set aside for, you know, a rainy day fund. But when you're a small business and you're in the grind, yep. you know, a $20,000 fine from some random government entity or some lawsuit, that could sink a business. And so making sure that you have all of your things well begun is well on your way to being successful. Right, right. So with all that being said, let's move on to the rest of the program. So so why is legal important for a business? Well, kind of how we've been touching on a little bit already is that it sets up a company to be protected and to thrive and have a course of action. Uh, in a lot of cases, if you are if you're selling a product or a service and the person that you've agreed with doesn't pay or doesn't meet their requirements, what do you do? And now you're in that awkward, oh crud, like I need to address this, I need to have some sort of tough conversation. Having contracts in place and having agreements in place that pretty much set up the step by step, like if you don't do this, we're gonna do this. Like, and you signed it. Mm-hmm. It it really sets businesses, especially the smaller you are, up for success because it sets the course of action. It's, it lays out your next steps. So nowadays we have all of these um, forms, you know, legal forms and stuff you can get online, okay? And I'll be honest here, I've used those and restructured them from my business, but I always send them to my attorney to review. Okay, what are your thoughts as far as some of these legal documents that they're supposedly, um, you know, uh, standards? What are your thoughts on that? I'm not going to disparage them in any way, shape or form. I think that they can provide a service. If you've got nothing 
something is better is always better than nothing. So I'd rather you have some sort of legal entity make your contracts. But a boilerplate or a standard template doesn't address the particular needs of your business. And right. it may overlook certain uh, points that you really want to get across or you not every business is cookie cutter. You can't just copy and paste everything for every agreement with every potential customer every time. Right. And so there is a limited scope in which that is the perfect template for you to use. Whereas if you have an attorney and it sounds and business owners like yourself who have some experience and expertise in dealing with customers and contracts, that's great. You know, being able there and tweak things because you know what you want out of it. But right. having somebody on your side to help get what you want out of a contract and get what you want out of an engagement. So in your line of work, um, in, in your company umbrella there, what are, what are some of the most common legal issues or legal um, uh, services that you provide to small businesses? And yeah, when does it happen? Yeah. Yeah. Business so let's talk, let's talk about the company life cycle, really. We'll start there and then we'll go in what they typically need. When you're first starting out as a business, you have this idea, you have this dream, you have this expertise that you're trying to leverage. Right. Napkin stage. Well, now you're, yeah, napkin, yeah, napkin stage. It's an idea. It's the, it's you're telling your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to start a company and this is what I'm going to do. Um, that first stage is really, all right, let's register you as a, as a type of company. All right, well, what kind are you, are you a sole proprietorship? Are you a partnership? Are you an LLC? Do you eventually want to translate to a, a corporation, S Corp, C Corp? There are a ton of different options. So in most cases, people just go LLC, limit your liability, let's rock and roll. And in a lot of cases that works really well. So getting set up is a huge portion, which if you've never done before, having somebody just to ask questions is huge. Um, no, the yeah. next stage, the next stage is when you transition from handshake agreements and everybody, like either you or a business partner, on the same page. Now you're starting to get to a size where, well, maybe we should start writing things down, like just in case. You know, we've been buying from this vendor for the past three months or the past six months, year. Uh, we don't have anything written down, but they they know what we pay them X, they give us Y. Then as you start to get bigger and bigger and bigger, you're like, oh, maybe we should have something in writing. And that's when contracts come in, third-party vendor agreements come in, uh, different forms of engagement of services, uh, employee or w, like W-2 1099 contract engagements with employees, having somebody review those. That's another life stage. And then finally, when you get to the big, 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 you know, you're, you're closing these big deals. You want to make sure that your sales team is connected with a legal department to go over the engagement, to make sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed so that, you know, business making deal goes through and it's smooth and you're protected because once you have those big, you know, swing for the fences deals, mm -hmm. you want to make sure everything's buttoned up. Right, right. So, you know, there are some some uh, typical basic uh, contractual uh, documents that I, for my business, that I keep on hand. You know, such as MOU or um, uh, and uh, and non compete <laughs> is what I'm thinking. Those kind of things. What type of documents? 
should a business immediately just have in their arsenal as they're going to be doing business? I can think of about, uh, there's a lot that you could have, but here are, like, here are like some of my top that I would recommend that if you don't have, get in contact with somebody to get this written down. One, some sort of operating agreement for the business. Right. And within that, it goes over who owns, who does what, who owns what, and what is the purpose of the business and basically define, laying down the rules of who owns what equity, what happens if someone wants to buy equity, sell equity, leave, come, mm -hmm. just setting the ground rules of how the business is structured. That is huge. Right. Two, I would, with every one of your major suppliers or main clients, some sort of written agreement of, even if it's, I give them this, they give me that, like, even at the very bare minimum, have something written down right. because otherwise, especially in the services industry, you can be up a Creek when you're, you've given services and you expect payment, but nobody wrote anything down. So who's, who's to say what they have to pay. Mm -hmm. And then third would be the employee side of things or the contractor side of things with some sort of handbook, um, you know, sexual preventing sexual harassment, preventing harassment, preventing, you know, uh, the selling of customer like privacy policies, the things of that nature, like standard policies that you want your employees or contractors to operate under. Right. And there are several others, but I think like at the very base level is having some sort of way to govern your business having some way to engage your clients and clients and customers, and then having some sort of way to manage your workforce, like some sort of documentation there. Where do you, where do you think that businesses generally will, will run into most, the most trouble early on? Most trouble early on? Usually it's a lot of founder engagement. So you're not too worried about employees. Um, the yeah. two big ones are definitely the client engagement and writing down what you're doing for the client. And if they don't pay, what's the next step? And then another one is the those two, the operating agreement and the client engagement are huge because if two owners of a small business get into a fight, it is ugly as sin yeah. to try to break the end, like untangle right. everything of what the expectation was, who owns right. what. It, it, I've often I've often run into that with my clients is when they originally had set the company up they did not take into consideration the long term uh, plan strategy for that business and so they end up having to restructure or or do something to either free up some equity or put in that um, succession agreement you know and and things like that that are so critical early on, especially in a partnership or an LLC, you know, or something to that effect. Oh, absolutely. Billy and Susie go, you know, Billy and Susie get into business together because they're like, you and I are going to rock the world. We've got this. And at no point do they ever think, oh, we're not going to disagree on where we're going to go. We're not going to disagree in the company direction. Like we're united in our vision and we're going forward. Fast forward six months, a year, and all of a sudden you, there's Billy and Susie are pulling opposite directions. Like who's to say who owns the company? Who's to say who owns the proprietor, any sort of trademark, who owns any sort of intellectual property or those customers? Like it gets very hard to, to parse. And, and let's talk a little bit about um, 
the uh, the board of directors and things like that in a corporation and when there's voting that has to take place you know it's better to have an odd number of board members you know those kind of things talk a little bit about that yeah they're just tricks of the trade like that you learn from experience you learn from experience of how in order to run a company and of, of such of a larger size having a few things in place like you said understanding board members, like who does what, how many board members are there, what are their responsibilities, what are their powers. Uh, the trick of always having an odd number is very useful because you never want to be at a standstill. Companies are meant to move and board of directors are supposed to be there to help them move in a direction. But the idea of having you know two and two, three and three, one and one, it's, it's a tough situation. And so defining who can sit on that board and defining what they do who appoints them and if they were to leave for any reason or need to be removed for any reason, what are the protocols? Like it's, right, exactly. It's, it's going through before, during, and after of what you expect your board members to be doing. And, and I think it's important not only for the company, but for the board members that are being asked to be on the board or whatever, to understand truly what their roles are as a board member. Um, because people, I people give yeah. yeah, people people give uh, spelling things out a bad name, whereas in a business with so much ambiguity, especially in the small business world, it's mm -hmm. nice to know like what is expected of me written down in, mm -hmm. and like this is what you're asked to do. We expect this and we will reward you with this. Having that spelled out in a very ambiguous world, such as small businesses, is nice. So understand your board members giving the full like we expect you to do this and we'll give you this in return is extremely freeing for a business because not only does it allow the board members, but it requires a conversation to happen so that the board is all on the same page. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So what are some, and, and we've probably covered some of this, but what are some of the pivotal legal moments that a business runs into? Well, it's definitely when you're first starting out and you're an official business, it's pretty nice to have that like, oh, you know, ABC LLC, like that's a pretty awesome pivotal moment. Another one is when you bring somebody else in, like when you as the founders are bringing somebody else into the business that is not probably not going to have any equity and it's an employee or a contractor, because that totally shifts where you have ownership, everybody working the company had ownership and now there's a someone that works for you not with you for you and there's nothing necessarily wrong with having people work for you yeah a lot and then the of third my, yeah a and then the third my, is when they first get sued yeah a lot of my <laughs> listeners know that i had failed at business twice before and the very first business i ever had fell into the situation whereas i had a partner and then also there was another company that came in and got involved in the business. And ultimately I got pushed out of the business. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. And if you don't have the, um, if you don't have the understanding or the relationship that you trust or whatever, you know, there's so many things that can happen, especially when you start making money and people start getting a little greedy. You know, it's Machiavellian's the prince at its finest. You know, you have, a, when you're a business person, especially when you're typically the person that is running the day-to-day -day operations, you know, not to like make anybody super paranoid, but when you're the one on the grindstone all day, 
you can get blindsided pretty easily. And that's the hardest part as a business owner is when you try to involve others and you try to, you know, get them involved and have them. And well, they're like, well, maybe we can do things better without so-and-so. And And it's, it stinks that happened to you. I'm sorry that did. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's no fun. And the, you know, that brings up another point, not necessarily legal point, but when you were talking about people taking care, taking advantage, you know, I have a client that I was working with this morning uh, during one of our strategy sessions. And, you know, she's gotten herself into a couple of positions because she is just so giving and she's so trusting. And as a business owner, we need to go in with a little bit of discernment and being able to do our background checks and do what needs to be done to ensure that we're not putting ourselves in a position to where we can be taken advantage of, or let alone have some illegal or unethical aspect of the company that we're partnered with rub over on our business, right? So oh, absolutely. It's, it's tough. You, I, I, yeah. Most people that are good-hearted people I feel bad. I actually worked with a customer just just this month who really wanted to involve this friend that he had and uh, kind of assumed that he had some qualifications that he didn't and it blew up in his face, absolutely blew up in his face. And having somebody at your side that can just say, wait, why are you doing this? It's like, oh, but he or she is my friend. I'm like, well, that's not it's like, just because somebody's your friend doesn't mean that I want them to do, I don't want my friend doing heart surgery on me. Like you should right. have people in the right places and have people advising you to help you with that. Cause it's hard to separate emotion from, you know, you gotta operate a business. Yep. Well, and also it's important, you know, firm, fast rule, no family friends. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. My wife is, they all have a family business and my wife has never been happier that she works outside of the family business. Cause yeah, she, that's there's just, too much emotion involved. It's, it's hard. Like it is. And I'm not here to say like, do, I'm not, I'm not saying don't ever go into business with family or friends, but understand that there are going to be some uncomfortable conversations. Right. And, right. You, and you need to be prepared for that. <laughs> no, definitely. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about business legal management. Yeah, so it's funny in the uh, kind of how I was talking at the beginning of our conversation, where I'm bringing a new school way of looking at legal and project man legal project management. I feel so bad for lawyers, and I know they're pretty hard to pity with their nice suits, their expensive hourly rates, but man, they have no work life balance, and that never came to them. Yeah. Like the entire every work, it seems like every other industry is like, oh yeah, you can work from home. Oh yeah, you can do this. Like. Legal world, it is still work your 80 to 90 hours to get your 40 billable and yeah. we'll give you about a third of what you earn. Well, Where I would it? imagine attorneys, they spend so much time just tracking the time and oh. the hours and, and, and everything else. I mean, it, you know, I mean, talk about, you know, uh, OCD. <laughs> it's under every, if you were the type of person that does not like to be micromanaged, big, oh big God. law firm is not your world. Wow. And we, and that's our entire workforce. Uh, we work with a, with a group of con, uh, independent contractors that want to work on their schedule and want to work on their time. 
Yeah. And they're, you know, a lot of our attorneys were, you know, top five in their class, top, top three in their class, but they wanted to be dads. They wanted to be moms too. And they wanted to have a life. We have sure. one, we have one attorney who does barrel racing up in Idaho and she loves it. And that's a passion of hers. And wow. what we offer is a legal team of people that wanted work, better work-life balance and we offer that on a subscription basis, which is a lot easier because in a lot of cases, businesses, you hire an attorney, it's like, all right, how much is this going to cost? Well, it depends. Yeah. And there, there's always going to be a depends element to it. But with us, it's you have a subscription. And with that subscription, you get a certain number of legal hours each month and a person to help you run it. So right. in my line of what I call it, we, our service is two things. One, it's a legal team to help get you what you need. And two, it's someone to help you manage it because in all honesty, you don't want to have to keep track of all those emails. <laughs> yeah. Now I've asked this before, <laughs> sorry. When you, out there, we have what's called legal shield. How do you differ from what legal shield is or do you? Legal Shield is kind of the next step up from like a legal Zoom, in my opinion, in the industry where it's templates that or someone you can send paperwork that if you have the goal in mind, they're a great double checker. And I'm not here to disparage legal, legal Shield at all. For business owners like yourself who, you know, they've done this before. Like, I know what I'm trying to get out of this. I know what I want out of this. They can be a good option. But if you're wanting someone to be your legal department, to be your legal asset, that can customize everything to yours with very minimal input, that's where we step in, is that we're a more white glove service and a white glove delivery of a more personalized legal asset than Legal Shield, from my opinion. Good, good, no, that's good. Um, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, I, uh, as far as legal, legal accounting, a few other things, you know, small business owners, they don't tend to think about that stuff until later on. And yeah, and in, in, in our world, legal is used typically in a reactionary fashion where, oh, yeah. no, I've been sued. And uh, spoiler alert, you're going to use legal in one of two ways. It's either going to be building up walls or it's going to be putting out fires. And so I would recommend you getting uh, some legal help on your side to help build up your wall, secure your foundations with your contracts, your engagements and things of that nature, because otherwise you're gonna be paying two to three times more to try to put out a fire. Exactly, exactly. So any last tips for our listeners? Any um, last words of wisdom here? I would recommend all businesses have some sort of legal asset. You know, I think it is imperative that you have built your dream home you know, you know, let's let's pivot over and like equate this to a house. You have built your dream home that you are so excited about. Everything's the way you want it. The marble, the countertops, you know, your spouse has got their space too. Everyone's happy. Would you do your own electrical in your dream home if you have no electrical experience? Right. Absolutely not. That would be absurd right. if the entire building would catch on fire. And yet business owners believe that they can go in and do their own electrical in their business by being their own legal department with no legal experience. That is a recipe for a house fire. And so I recommend um, 
getting legal on as quickly as possible. We would love we would love to partner with your listeners. Obviously, you know, shameless plug. Go to www.businesslegalmanagement.com. Check out how we can uh, help your business out for probably less than what you're paying your front desk person. So, yeah. And so let's talk a little bit. You've got packages set up, right? As far as pricing uh, packages and things like that. But basically what it is, is you have blocks that you sell of time. Yeah, blocks of time, as well as access to principal consultants or the legal project managers, as I call them. The idea is you can have someone that you can talk to that isn't billing you by the minute. And then you have attorneys that are working by the minute for you. Okay, okay. So how do so you- you already gave us the website. How can how else can people get a hold of you? Um, go ahead and shoot me an email personally. You know, obviously, I, you know, Dan and I have talked offline a couple of times. We've we've cracked a few jokes, and we both know how valuable having the right people on a small business can be. And so, for your listeners, shoot me an email directly. Uh, my name is Zachary Williamson. I'm at Z F Williamson at businesslegalmanagement.com. And if you mentioned that you heard me on this podcast, I'll be sure to give you a special discount with included with extra included legal hours per month. Very good, very good. And I'll include all of this information in the transcripts, you know, for the podcast. Um, so that's it, guys. I wanna thank you all for joining us today and make sure to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery platform you happen to be listening to us on today. Or you can go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page or our Google page and leave a review. If you want to learn more about different topics or skill sets associated with growing successful businesses, visit our online e-learning platform, marketatomy.academy. I look forward to talking to you once again next week for another exciting episode where small businesses get charged up for success. And once again, thank you, Zachary, for joining us today. And we'll talk to you later. My pleasure. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.